你是哪先生呢？Fans of Shukpustan, and welcome to day two coverage of the Beijing 2022 Paralympics on Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host Jill Jarrs, and through the plexiglass, I see my lovely co-host Allison Brown. Allison, ni hao, how are you? Ni hao. I am rebelling, and I am not wearing my mask at the moment, but I am keeping my bottle of soda close to me. So if I am questioned, it is because I am actively drinking. All right. Well, that's a good、uh, forward tease to some news I have later. You know, it's it's late in the workroom here. It's eleven o'clock.、Uh, when we came in, it was the magical hour of vacuuming.、Uh, we did have to eat dinner. I needed to have some solid food, <laughs> and so we went to get dinner. And when we came back, it was no longer the magical hour of vacuuming. However, we have told the magical vacuumers about you. <laughs> so. And lovely superfan Sarah sent some cookies. So it's a complicated story to try to tell our poor volunteers. Hey, we had this website, and you hear the vacuumers every day, and now people in the United States know them. But <laughs> we, we made got, friends. We made friends, and we got through to the point being, we were saying thank you to them. Yes, and, and we love them, and, and we appreciate them, and we gave them the cookies, and we have pictures which we'll post in various places on the website. Uh, rather on the Facebook group, and I'm sure you'll post them on Twitter. So, to the fans <laughs> of the Magical Vacuumers, they know your love. Yes, and they do have pins. So, if you are wondering, we gave them pins, we gave them some cookies, and、uh, <laughs> I think they think we're crazy, but that's okay. That's all right. They're、so. not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, as always, what officiating or volunteer job would you like to do today? So, I want to focus a little bit on the volunteer jobs I'm seeing now that I'm here. Okay. So, one of the things they talked about in the press conference today is that there are nine thousand volunteers for the Paralympics. There are only about seven hundred athletes, yes. And yet, we still need all these volunteers. And in this press conference, I saw two sets of volunteers that I would like to be a part of. The first set being the ones who hand out the transponders, so we can hear the non-English. Translations in our ear. They have a fantastic system that involves numbers and post-it notes, and about seven people and a whole bunch of cranky reporters. <laughs> and they manage to keep them all happy. And then the second job would be the girl who wipes off the microphone with the sanitizing <laughs> wipes between each reporter's question. She is so ready. And sometimes the person starts to step away. And she goes to stand up, and then they ask a follow-up, and she just sits back down. <laughs> she is right there on the spot. It is very impressive. Very nice taking the job seriously. I'm going to take the job that you noticed that I would love to do today.、Uh, this is in wheelchair curling, and they have volunteers who help place the stones, and also. Help take stones that are no longer in play and get them off to the side. And the stones, if you curl, you know that the stones are numbered and they have to go in a specific order. So they keep them all nice in order. They wipe off the bottoms of the stone before they deliver it to the curler. I would love that job because it is a very high-level volunteer job in terms of being involved in the field of play. Usually, that would be an official's job. And yet, it seems to be volunteers that are doing that, which is great because they're really getting in on the action. Yeah, they get in on the action. Minus of this job 
is that you not only mask, you also face shield, and you have to wear gloves. And I think my poor little hands would not like the gloves very quickly. But you are doing a very valuable job. Very true. All right, follow-up file time. I finally remembered today that I didn't put the tape from the torch relay from the other day onto the end of one of the episodes. So it's going to be at the end of this episode. What you will be hearing is Vice President Dwayne Kale in the mixed zone after he handed off the torch and finished his leg of the torch relay. When he was doing the torch relay, that is when the IPC released its statement saying that RPC and Belarus were terminated. So it's kind of interesting to hear him talk around the situation. And it's also interesting to hear the different journalists. So we have a mix of Chinese journalists and international journalists, and you can hear the different lines of questioning on what was important to each faction that day. And because it is Dwayne Kale gives me the opportunity to say, go Silver Ferns. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, it's going to kind of cut off abruptly after Dwayne is done. You'll hear a little bit with Philip there, one of their media people. And then when he gets into, well, this is on background, uh, that's when I turned off my tape. So that's that. And uh, hopefully you'll find it interesting. And uh, it's, it was an interesting time to be there. I will say that. And I got here just in time for the chaos. <laughs> and I, my head is still spinning from it because in the press conference today, obviously there were still questions about it. When are the Russians leaving? When are the Belarusians leaving? Has there been any communication? So it's still an evolving situation. Yes. Uh, A little bit of follow-up file from the opening ceremonies. We heard from listener Dan, who liked the Paralympic ceremonies better than the Olympic ceremonies. And today at the press conference, as all these people are gushing over the opening ceremonies, I kind of felt like I went to the wrong show. (laughs) So we'll do what we can. Yeah, and but I think he, one of the things he liked about it was that it was obvious that they had a different budget, and that made them be a little bit creative with that. And I think in the creativity, they found different kinds of groups to feature, and that was cool. Because Agreed. that's not something we see every day in, in America, because they, uh, different uh, musical groups with impairments don't often get featured a lot. So that's kind of nice that you see this and go, oh, maybe I can find this in my own country. So, okay, Dan, I get, and you know what? I'm with you on like the virtual reality stuff that they popped big money for, I'm sure, in the Olympics when for showing you viewers on TV something cool that we couldn't see in the stadium that I'm not sure that's worth it. Moving on to feed beefs. Oh, no. Okay, so this is also a follow-up file kind of thing. I was chatting with listener Harry on Twitter, and he uh, is in the UK. So Channel 4 is their Paralympics provider. So many commercials. So many. They cut to commercial during the waltz. They cut to commercial when the flame arrived. But he also said the flip side of that is that Channel 4 shows way more coverage of the Paralympics than the BBC ever did. I guess you got to be grateful for what you get. you got to pay for that. Yeah, exactly. That is very true. You do have to pay for that. So you went to a press conference today. Yes. I want to hear all about it because there was another follow-up thing. There was a big gaffe from Andrew Parsons at the opening ceremony, which I did notice on the Jumbotron. Yes, you noticed it. He was saying all the, the, the thank yous to the host nation, and he referred to it as 
the Republic of China rather than the People's Republic of China. That's a big problem (laughs) because the Republic of China is Taiwan. (laughs) So at the press conference today, IPC spokesman Craig Spence very quickly in his opening remarks said, President Parson wishes to express his apologies and deep regret. He got caught up in emotion. It was a slip of the tongue. He meant no disrespect. And clearly he didn't. It was, we've all been in a public speaking situation and skipped a word. Yeah. And and this was clearly supposed to be in the script because they would show what the script was supposed to be on the Jumbotron. So when I, I, because I kept watching that because they were pretty small if I was looking in the middle of the stage and I didn't want to, and turning to look at the monitor for me was kind of awkward. So it was just more natural to look at the Jumbotron and I would read along with the speech and like, huh, we forgot people's. That's interesting. (laughs) And not his first language. Correct. And I mean, not that he's not fluent, but you're, he was very caught up in the emotion right. of the moment. And it's we've all done it. Right. I mean, we do it on the show all the time. And, and we're not even caught up in emotion. Right. And I wonder if, because they would show the, the speech in both uh, English and Chinese. So I wonder if that was even noticed by people in the stadium, if they did not speak English. And I wonder if, because they, they may have given a copy of the speeches to the translators for local television... Did they translate it from that way? I, I don't know, but that that's that was a little, not something you want to do, unfortunately. I think it was a minor kerfuffle, mm-hmm. Good. and it, nobody asked any questions about it. It was, he apologized, moving on, let's talk about other things. And it was not a contentious uh, press conference this morning at all. Mm. What it happened? Was, it, they had Chen Shen, who was the director... Mm there and he talked a lot about the inspiration and bringing people together and using the different disabilities and it did make me want to go back and rewatch it on television because we talked a little bit about this last night was this produced for tv and actually worked better as a television production rather than Mm in-house so i'll be curious when we get home and take another look and maybe it would feel more cohesive with the explanation even though we had the guide it's a very different experience when as you're doing each segment someone is telling you okay this is what you need to look at now and knowing where to focus because again you're in this very big space for something when it's on tv they're focusing at the right things that you should be noticing so there's that too which was not the little box of flame it was totally the little box of flame. That was fantastic discovery. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to today's action, we start with para-alpine skiing. Oh. Do you want to say hi? Come say hi. We're team, yeah. We think you are working now. Yeah, yeah, but come and say hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> hello, everyone. What did, what, tell them your names. Mm, my English is Jesse. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my English name is Zane. Zane and Jesse. Yeah. yeah. And Zane and Jesse have been very helpful in explaining to the magical vacuumers what we were trying to do <laughs> earlier on. So, so kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into action. 
Yes, let's start with para-alpine skiing. Oh boy, the mountain today. There have been high winds here, so I honestly can't remember yesterday's. But uh, we were talking with somebody about the weather. Oh no, I was talking with this New York Times reporter about the weather. And so it's getting warmer, but in the spring it also gets very, very windy here in Beijing. So it was extremely windy on the mountain, and the mountain had its way with a lot of people. And we were surprised at how steep this course continued to be. You know, we weren't sure if they were going to reset it for the Paralympics, but it is still crazy steep. Yeah, it's a tough course. And there is one really specific turn that really tends to get people because they keep going. The, the momentum takes them kind of into the fence and they have to make a really kind of wide left turn to stay on the course. And a lot of them, the, you, you see them go off, the blue, you know, outside of the blue line and they have to work really hard to turn to stay in the course and stay within the flag. So, ooh. I was getting myself in a little bit of trouble in the media center because I am clearly not jaded enough to be here. No, no, you aren't. <laughs> not yet. Because we were watching this. We watched on the feed and I kept yelling at the screen. Oh, get back in the course. Get back in the course. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it was really quiet today in the workroom. Everybody is out and about doing their thing. And it, there weren't many people to at least hear us talk back to the TV. So that was nice. There were a couple who looked at me like, <laughs> and I want to say, and I had this experience today in hockey. I'm looking at these people going, this is exciting. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Beat down. It just becomes normal. But Alpine did give us our first medal of the day. Oh, yes. Okay. So we started with the women's downhill vision impaired. Gold went to Henrietta Farasova from Slovakia with her guide, Martin Mokka, who, and that was the first medal of these games, so that was very exciting. Silver went to uh, Zhu uh, Daqing from China with guide uh, Yan Han Han, and bronze went to Millie Knight from Great Britain with guide Brett Wild. Two out of the eight skiers did not finish, and uh, Martina Vossa from Italy had a bad crash. Yes, she was taken off the course in a stretcher, have not been able to find any update uh, on her condition. Oh, boy. Well, I hope she is doing well. And also, we will notice with the, the number of entries in the women's skiing, if you know a woman who is uh, disabled, get them, take them skiing. We need more Paralympians. We need more female Paralympians. Moving over to the standing course where one of nine did not finish. This was the most successful race for the women. Gold went to Molly Jepson from Canada. Silver went to Zhang Menchi from China. And bronze went to Ebegold Arzjo from Sweden. And in the women's downhill sitting, this is, I think sitting on both sides, just, they got white. If you made it down the mountain in the women's downhill sitting, you got a medal. That's how rough this course was. Well, I think, I wonder if the winds affect them more being lower to the ground it could and be it, and then and they've got a big kind of contraption on one ski uh, right so is it tippier yeah so I, I don't know that's a good question maybe we can find that out uh gold went to uh, momoka muraoka from japan silver went to annalena forster from germany and bronze went to liu sitong from china and yes the other four women in the competition did not finish 
And over on the men's side for the standing, gold went to Arthur Brochat from France, silver went to Marcus Salcher from Austria, and bronze went to Theo Gmur from Switzerland. And they did they did good. They only had they had one did not start, but everybody finished. For for the men sitting downhill, they also had uh, um, nine out of twenty five did not finish plus a did not start, plus a disqualification. So this was also a rough one. Gold went to Corey Peters from New Zealand. Go Silver Ferns. Uh, silver went to Jesper Peterson from Norway. And bronze went to Taki Mori from Japan. You're going to see a lot of Japanese names. There was a lot of Japanese alpine racers, which we don't see in the able-bodied categories as much. And I thought that was very interesting. I mean, they certainly have a winter sports tradition in Japan. Yes. But not Alpine. Not that you think of, but maybe on the Paris side, that's where they've really taken. And I'm going to apologize. It could be Moritaki, and I've decided not to do the traditional last name first pronunciation, but I'll probably flip that at some point. Uh, The defending gold medalist in this event was Andrew Kirka from the USA. He finished fourth. So during the training run, an hour before the race, the wind blew him into the fencing. And he was hurt, but he raced anyway. He got fourth. Then he got an x-ray and he found broken that he had broken his humerus and a thumb. So he is out for the rest of the games. Oh, that's disappointing. disappointing. It is very disappointing. So he's sad. But he, you know, fourth and, you know, with the broken bones, not bad. I'm a little concerned about going to the mountain tomorrow. If the wind is blowing these very large, strong people into the fence, I might need to like tie myself to a tree like the coaches. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then finally in the uh, vision impaired category for the men's downhill, Gold went to Johannes Egner from Austria. Silver went to Mac Marco from Canada. And bronze went to Hyacinth Delaplace from France. And that was a one out of ten did not start. But everybody who started made it down the mountain, which was impressive. And I, I mean, when we were watching this, I don't know if you've seen this at home, but if you haven't, like, try to dial it up because it is pretty incredible to see how fast these skiers are going they're going still like 60 70 miles an hour and the even vision visually impaired uh, some when i could see there's my feed beef i have a feed beef and we don't even we can see this stuff in person but the feed will like show the speed for just a couple of seconds and then they'll cut away like just can you keep the speed up there so i can see how fast they're going because some of these people, even visually impaired, because you would think that would be a little bit slower because you're dealing with a guide and they're communicating with you on what to do. And they're still going 50 miles an hour, uh, which is, I don't know, it's close to 90 some kilometers. And you're just like, what? How are you doing this? But I was talking with Ben earlier and I said, you know what? I wonder if when you're visually impaired because the other senses get heightened, if you feel it so much more feel the air and feel the sensations and it's super exciting i mean all downhill racers are adrenaline junkies oh yeah that's true in one way or another you don't get into this because you like a you know a slow stroll around the park (laughs) so just because you're visually impaired does not counteract the adrenaline junkie no but i i do wonder if they feel it differently than somebody who has uh, sight uh, let's move over to Parabiathlon, who 
This was a fun race. It was a fun day. For, it was a banner day for Ukraine, who had really great shooting, lots and lots of clean shooting. They got seven of the 18 medals available today, including three gold medals. And they are so proud of what they've been able to accomplish and what they've been able to show their country well, it, during today, just alone. Um, we will start with the, the sitting category. It, the, today was a sprint, so it's a six-kilometer sprint. For the women, gold went to Oksana Masters from the U.S. Uh, this is her seventh winter medal. It's her 11th Paralympic medal overall. Surprisingly, it's her first gold in biathlon because... And when she was in Sochi in 2014, she went the wrong way on the course. And she was in the race for the medals, went the wrong way, lost, and wasn't out of the whole medal race. And then in Pyeongchang, she wasn't in peak race form. That's what she said in her little quotes thing today. And we remember make, not being in peak race form meant like they bionically taped her together. I remember her arm, I think it was, was held together with tape. It's like the guy's foot from the basketball. <laughs> in, 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 in in the, the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, oh yeah, my ankle. Yeah, my ankle sprain. My foot's falling off. Just tape it back together. <laughs> she kind of did the same thing in in 2018. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but did not do as well in biathlon as she did in cross country. So now she has gotten her gold. We saw this race on the feed, and she was just ecstatic when she realized what she had accomplished, and that was really fun to see. She was so much faster in the range than everybody else. I mean, she, her time was dominant, but not out of reach. But her shooting was so beautiful to watch. So in this uh, race, silver went to Sean Elin from China, and bronze went to Kendall Gretsch, who was also a Paralympian in Tokyo, who won gold in triathlon and <laughs> She also races, will race cross country here. And she had said in one of the Team USA stories, she's like, oh, well, you know, it's really crazy being in the Paralympics so soon after Tokyo. And it feels very different than Tokyo conditions today. I'm trying, trying to channel how warm I was there. <laughs> like, oh boy. Right, because Tokyo, all leading up to Tokyo was the heat, the heat, the heat. And here it's, it's warmer now than it was, but it's... We, saw, we still saw some moleskin come out today. Yes, we did. We definitely did. So, yeah, it's probably a little chilly up for these racers. For the men's sitting six kilometer, gold went to Liu Zhishu from China, which is the first Winter Paralympic gold medal for China. Silver went to Taras Rod from Ukraine, and bronze went to Liu Mingtao from China. In the women's standing six kilometer, gold went to Guo Yuji from China, silver went to Lyudmila Lyashenko from Ukraine, and bronze went to Zhao Zhiqing from China. So if you feel like we're saying China a lot, we are. And as Craig Spence noted in the, uh, he's the IPC spokesperson this morning, before some of these races had even been run, at that point in the day, China had won more Paralymp winter Paralympic medals today than it's won its in, in entire history. So before the games, we questioned, oh, I wonder if China's put a lot of effort in, and resources into winning Paralympic winter medals. Clearly, yes. For the men's standing six-kilometer gold went to Grigory Vovchenitsky from Ukraine, Silver went to Marco Meyer from Germany, and bronze went to Mark Ahrens from Canada. 
And in the visually impaired classes for the women, gold went to Oksana Shiskova from Ukraine, silver went to Lynn Kazmaier from Germany, and bronze went to Leonie Maria Walter from Germany. For the men, it's a Ukrainian sweep. This is just really incredible. I got pretty excited when I was putting this down. <laughs> yes. So gold went to Vitaly uh, Lukanyenko, who is a repeat gold medalist from 2018. Silver went to Alexander Kazik, and bronze went to Dmitro Sviarko. The gold medalist Vitaly, he said that the other two were like his brothers in sport and his brothers in life. They're very, very close, and... He was so proud that they had Ukrainian podiums today because just how important it is for their country. And I, I wonder how the news is getting to Ukraine about this and knowing that there's still a place on this, the world stage and that their countrymen are doing well. I hope we get to see those medal ceremonies on the feeds. If we don't get to do. go, would it have been in? It would have been Jean Jacou, but <sighs> I don't know when those medal ceremonies are. We'll have to start looking those up. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about our Red Envelope campaign. This show does cost money to produce, and while you all have been extremely generous in supporting us through our Kickstarter, the campaign that got us to Beijing, and also through Patreon patronage, and thank you to the patrons who have signed up during the games. We really appreciate your ongoing support. But we are coming up on another two and a half years until the next Olympics. So to celebrate the Lunar New Year, we're asking for donations of at least $8 because 8 is a lucky number here in China. And that will help get us through to Paris 2024. Go to flamealivepod.com support to donate. And thank you again to everybody who's contributed so far. Your contribution, the contributions really help because some bills are coming due. And... What you've been able to give us is allowing us to cover those bills, and then we'll also be able to support publications that we use that are free, but we should really be paying for them because they are in the same boat as we are. So we're hoping to be able to uh, pay it forward a little bit as well. So thank you so much for everyone. And uh, still on the fence, flamealivepod.com slash support. Moving over to para ice hockey. This is what I did today. Yes, this is what you did. We were both at the first game, which was USA versus Canada, and then you went back for uh, Czechoslovakia versus Italy. Yes, so the USA-Canada game, you would expect, being that it's the rematch of the gold medal game from Pyeongchang, to have a lot of energy, to have a lot of life, to have a lot of people there. No. <laughs> Stadium was empty. I mean, not even. there was maybe one or two Canadians, one or two Team USA people, very few reporters, and just, it was a good game. I mean, the play was excellent. Team USA looked really, really sharp and good and gorgeous puck handling skills, but it was okay. Yeah, and it was really hard, and I bet it's, sadly, I bet it's not surprising for them. I bet they play a lot to no audience. So this is probably another day at the office for them. Like you said, USA just looked really sharp. Canada, I, I was surprised at the score differential. USA beat Canada 5-0, to zero, and they outshot them with shots on goal 26-9. to nine. That just shocked me because the intensity was there the entire time, and just Canada could not get any shots off. A lot of stuff was where they, a lot of play was down by the Canadian goalie. It just didn't 
it's like Canadian Canada couldn't get going. Yeah. And what was so striking was when I went back for Czech Republic and Italy, there was a nice Czech contingent. There was a nice Italian contingent and they were loud. <laughs> Both of them. It was great. So there was a lot more energy in the room. There was a lot more excitement. It felt more like a hockey game. And here's what I've been saving. There is a stuffed animal that hangs out on the bench of the Czech Republic. I couldn't tell what it was. So I asked a Czech reporter. He did not know. He had never noticed this. <gasps> Good for you. I know. So he was going to text somebody. And then the person he texted said, I don't know what it is. We think it is likely a lion because that is the national. A double-tailed lion is on the crest and that's the national. And it could, it could have been. You know, from a distance, I said, is it a wolf? Is it a bear? I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So it could be a lion, but I will continue to investigate the Czech stuffed animal because they also won 5-0. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of wow. the Czechs. Wow. Wow. Interesting. But as we discussed, before we get to the third game in the series today, sled hockey is filling a hole in your heart. Where... Yeah. Wheelchair rugby lives. And I would, I would agree. It, this is so much fun to watch. It is really great. And you just go, the, the puck handling alone is just incredible. And the passing, they when, especially when they pass underneath a sled. And it is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah, Jack Wallace passed today twice underneath the sled right in front of us. You know, we really mm -hmm. could see it very well. And wow, I was looking at it just saying, who is this kid? And really, really great play. The pizza coats from Italy are mm -hmm. gone. They were just wearing black and blue today. Okay. I'm hopeful that they'll be there. I like them. But then came what I thought was going to be the least exciting game of the night. Slovakia and China. It was insane. Stadium was as full as it could be. Loud, flags waving. Such an aggressive physical game. Very different play. So the Chinese have a Russian coach. Ooh. And they are not a finesse, puck handling, high skill. Mm -hmm. They are smash mouth, heavy shots, heavy body checks, go after it kind of team. And they just absolutely overwhelmed Slovakia 7 nothing. Whoa! And the shots on goal, I, I don't have the statistic in front of me. It had to be something even more than the U.S.-Canada. The poor Slovakian goalie was just getting hammered left and right. Wow! To the point where it wasn't fun anymore. I mean, if you're a China fan, it, it was probably great fun. But mm -hmm. as a, a hockey fan, mm -hmm. it was uncomfortable saying, oh, God. And you could see the Slovakian team trying to buck up their goalie. Mm -hmm. And it just was not happening. Fight broke out because I know a Chinese player slid into the Slovakian goalie. Oh, and you never touch the, I mean, you don't yeah. touch someone's goalie. So yeah. one of the Slovakian players just clocked him <laughs> and then two Chinese player came back. So it was, but what was really intense was 
the entire stadium went quiet. You know, at an NHL oh. game, if there's yeah, a fight, get, everyone, everyone gets loud and crazy. Everybody went quiet and just yeah. waited for the umpire to stop yelling at everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be actually very interesting if the U.S. does play China at some point because you will really see two very, very different styles of hockey. Interesting. That's going to be fun. If it, and I think they're in different groups, so... It'll be who gets out of that group. Interesting. And big start for China, so maybe they'll go far. Who knows? Moving over to wheelchair curling, we had two sessions of round-robin play today. Reminder that wheelchair curling is only eight ends compared to stand-up curling, which is ten. So in the first session, it was Sweden beat Switzerland nine to two in seven ends. Canada beat China seven to three in seven ends. Um... Slovakia beat the USA 9-3, to which we came in a little bit late for this game. And Slovakia had scored six points in the first two ends, which really the U.S. had to come up from behind. They made a little bit of a gain, but just not enough. And that was another seven-end game. And then Norway defeated Great Britain 7-5. to Great Britain has a bunch of fans here who have been cheering them on because that's going to be a factor in the second one. So in the second session, Latvia beat Korea 8-4. to Great Britain beat the U.S. 10-6. to This was a heartbreaker because the U.S. was ahead. They were ahead 3 to nothing. Then Britain came back with three points in the third end. Then the U.S. got two. Then the, the British answered with two. U.S. got another one, and then the British answered in the last two ends with two and three, and they just waltzed away. And it was really, what was really crushing, because uh, we see our Shuklastani Steve Empt there, and we haven't really made contact with him yet. And I didn't want to try to go to the mix on A, because we had to get back and tape. But I, I didn't want to talk to them after a two-loss day. And But he was like Mr. Positivity on the team until like the last couple ends. Like really the last end you could see that oh, a couple of missed shots didn't go so well. And that was that was really frustrating for them. The last game was Canada and Switzerland. Canada won that 8-4. to four. I was there for the beginning of the session. They do have the bagpipers again. Excellent. And lining up with the bagpipers was Shuey Ron Ron. <laughs> it was so cute to see him on the end because I, I looked, I had been down in the workroom. Okay, so I got in trouble in the workroom because I decided to eat at the desk. And a happy volunteer came by with the no eating COVID sign and showed me if I wanted to eat, I had to go to the little lounge area that they have set up. And they have these lounges set up for us and there's usually snacks and water. And I was working, so I didn't, I was just trying to eat at my desk while I worked. And that was verboten, so I had to put my food away. And I was working away, and then I look at my my <laughs> at the clock, and I'm like, ooh, I got to get upstairs. And I see the OBS feed countdown from 30, and like, I got 30 seconds to get up there. <laughs> and, and I hear the light show going on, and then I'm like running into the press tribune and caught the end of the bagpipes. So wheelchair curling is happening in the ice cube. So today <laughs> was my first trip into the ice cube. What an impressive building. It is very cool, isn't it? It is smaller on the inside than I anticipated. There was much less seating. 
than it looked on television, especially in 2008. But what a gorgeous facility. And I can see why they found a way to repurpose it. Because you sit in there and it just looks very clean, very modern, very pleasant to watch a sporting event mm-hmm. in it. I almost want to say it feels fresh, which is interesting for a building that's 14 years old. <laughs> and yet when I was sitting there watching curling, it was bright and cheery and not like sitting in an old dull stadium. Yeah, I would I would agree. And and you can see the the cube effect from the uh, the bubbly kind of thing in the ceiling. That's really cool. I, I wonder if I mean, it took a long time for them to repurpose the venue to become the ice cube. I wonder if they would be able to learn how to do that more quickly. But I bet it's not like putting a basketball court over a hockey rink. And suddenly you have a two-sport venue. And this would be an odd two sports to combine. But you would have to take the curling rink off in order to get the swimming pool. And the swimming pool really is something you can use year-round. So the one part of the ice cube that is not very pleasant is the downstairs area before you get to the workroom where the media bathroom is. <laughs> I got lost. <laughs> so the... But yeah, so this is this this will be our inside baseball story for tonight. All of the media is separated. We have a separate entrance. We have separate bathrooms. We have separate. So we never mix with people outside the closed loop. We never mix with the spectators. Whenever we have contact with the athletes, it's only in the mix zone with a distance. And so, in all the other buildings that I've been in so far. The signage has been very, very good. I knew exactly where to go, or it was, oh, you go, th- it was always pretty clear. This was not. <laughs> so I asked the volunteer, where is the bathroom? I had to go downstairs. I went downstairs. There's no signage. So I'm, and it's all these, exactly what you would expect the basement level of a sports building to look like very narrow corridors and they've been subdivided to keep us in the closed loop so that other sides of these corridors are other people. So the corridor isn't even the proper width of a corridor. I finally found the bathroom. I was very happy. There was toilet paper in the stall this time. I was prepared though. I I looked. I came out and I could not remember how to get back. And there was no volunteers in the basement. (laughs) So thankfully, this volunteer also had come down to the bathroom. I traded her for a pin. (laughs) Directions. And then asked her for directions. (laughs) So I paid for my directions with a pin. Not bad, not bad. So interesting note about China, because they came out in blue uniforms in the opening ceremonies, which was very jarring, I would say. They are wearing blue uniforms here and curling, also extremely jarring. And they are also yelling when they make their throws as if there are sweepers there. Because there's a lot of hard, there's a lot of just yelling in general at the stones to do their will. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah, so unlike in able-bodied curling, there's no sweeping. So there wasn't a lot of yelling. There was some communication There was talking because they're still figuring out the strategy and, and aiming. 
but there wasn't any of that sweep, sweep, hard, hard, right. except from the Chinese. And it was very disruptive. It, it was very odd. And it's interesting because I think wheelchair curling is much more difficult than able body curling because not only they have to get the stone where they want on their own power, but they do it without the sweepers. And the sweepers really help the curl when it's not curling the way you want. So having that just from the far end all the way down to the house is pretty impressive to get what they want to do. And you see a, a lot of missed shots. I, I'm, I, I would imagine low-level wheelchair curling, beginning wheelchair curling, is probably more missed shots than made shots. And what we're seeing is just so impressive. And I, I really appreciate being able to see this level of curling because it's this is tough. And there were some fun takeouts today <laughs> where we just sat there and, and I'm still learning curling in, in many ways. And even I was looking, ooh, ooh, something would happen and you just could see. You don't need to know anything about curling to know that that was not easy to do and just knock the stone exactly where it wanted to be. Exactly. So speaking of curling, how is our Shoklastani doing in tomorrow? Okay, so tomorrow Steve M. and Team USA will be back on the sheet against Estonia. Ooh, that will be exciting. New team to watch. All right, we would like to thank today's collectors, Ian Teague and Kaori. And or wait, it could be Kaori, because I, I, I don't know how much I can Americanize this and get away with it. Because I would say, we've been saying Kaori, and I'm sure it's Ka. It could be Kaori. I can't make that sound with my mouth. <laughs> so Kari, Kaori, you'll have to let us know. And she knows we love her. Yes, definitely. And... You know who else we love is our mascot for this week, who is Risa. Risa Hawkeye is named after an anime character from Full Metal Alchemist. And I don't think I know what most of the words I just said mean. <laughs> <laughs> and special thanks to Claire for sharing Risa with us this week and for supporting our Kickstarter campaign. Well, it's anime, so it has to be cool. And I'm sure Risa is as cool as her namesake. Well, there has been discussion about her eyeliner game. <laughs> all right well that will do it for this episode tune in again tomorrow for more competition from beijing we are going to try to go to the mountains tomorrow so we'll see how that works keep me in your thoughts i'm going to try and dress warmly enough and while you're doing that please celebrate the games with us on our keep the flame alive facebook group it's the place to hang out with us and our other listeners Jill is on Twitter. I am on Instagram. Both are at Flame Alive Pod. You can also email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAMEIT. And yes, I have stocked up on sticky heat pads and I will be bringing them all with me just in case. So we will catch you back here tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, keep the flame alive. Um, I think, and you were there, we saw their reaction to the decision um, um, be very, very vocal. And at the time, the board made a decision with, with which we thought was right for sport and separating politics from sport. We believe there is no mix for in example, politics and sport. Ukraine team. For example, you, Ukraine The Ukraine team. Yep. So we're delighted the Ukraine team are here and they're going to be competing. 
And I think the best thing that we can do is to be able to showcase sport and the power of sport and, as I say, separate sport and politics. Um, it's probably important for you to know that there has been a, a new release in the last 10 minutes and you may just want to, to brief yourself on that. There are some changes that have occurred. Okay. And there will be opening ceremony tomorrow. What are the exit for games? What are the exit for games? A successful game? What do I expect? Um, as indicated here, what we expect is to have wonderful venues for our athletes to showcase brilliant sporting performances and you know, we could not be more delighted with the venues that the Tokyo, uh, sorry, Tokyo, Japan, the Beijing uh, 2022 organising committee have arranged and have in place for our athletes. They will showcase some brilliant sport. For example, Great Britain and US, how do you feel? Um, it's not so much about how I feel. We made a decision yesterday based on what we saw the situation as in removing politics and sport. Um, clearly, in the current environment, things are escalating very, very quickly. And as I just indicated, you may want to see there is a new um, media release, press release by the IPC, and there is a very different decision. And the decision has changed um, very much from the reaction that we have seen from our members. And we are a very open, transparent, democratic uh, organisation and it's important to listen to our members and we have. So I'll let you go and read that. I think what I can, I think the importance is that together in the future, in a shared future. And now that's one of the things that we use sport to showcase is our athletes on the world stage demonstrating what an inclusive society and an accessible society can look like. And so shared, you know, and it's not just, you know, it's shared with everybody in society, not particular sectors of society. And I think that's, that's arguably the most important thing we have right now with what is going on in the world. And we have to leverage this opportunity to show that. Have you met the Ukrainians? Have I met any? Um, not the athletes. They arrived in yesterday. They are, they are exceptionally tired from a very long journey. Um, they are now getting settled into the village. Um, I think our president, Andrew Parsons, is meeting with um, their head, their, their um, president of the Ukrainian Paralympic Committee today. Um, and I suspect we may well get that opportunity to meet the athletes as well. But we've allowed them some space. They've been on a, a, a long journey uh, and, and coming out of a horrific situation. And we just need to give them that space to get in the right, in the right frame of mind. Have, have others? Have a plan to meet them? I don't personally have a plan to meet them. Um, but I'd be, you know, and any one of the board will be absolutely welcome and happy to meet with them. Um, but we don't want to impose. And like all of our athletes, you know, and even the countries that we're from, um, we don't go and interact with our teams in the village. It's important 
that we're respecting the protocols and the COVID protocols and we maintain that distance from the teams within the village. Um, if we happen to see them at ceremonies close by, we might wave, but we need to respect those protocols. Did you chat with any athletes? What kind of a feedback they gave about the game's facility, everything, you know? Um, well, they've only really just started using the, the training venues and, and it's been hard, but in some ways fear for all athletes as they have not, through the world circumstances, been able to travel to Beijing. And so they are now experiencing those venues. I haven't had any feedback about those, um, but you know, I, I am aware from what we have seen and what we've heard from the Olympics, um, the venues are going to be great. And, even though the sun is out and it's quite warm, it's too warm for a woolen hat, um, I know the snow conditions are going to be great. We've had that reassurance. So only a half year from Tokyo to Beijing, yeah. summer Paralympic to winter Paralympic. So what does that mean to the IPC? It's so, been exhausting, yeah. absolutely exhausting. And it's like, I liken it to, um, you're a 400 meter runner and you've just sprinted the last 100 meters and we said, just run one more lap, you know? and, and that was the same and you know when Tokyo was delayed by 2020 to 2021 and then immediately around the corner here we are in 2022. Um, but we live for sport, we live for the Paralympics mm. and, and while it's been exhausting, um, I don't think we'd change a thing. Can you give some comments about the closed loop management? What do you feel about this kind of uh, style, you know, we, we do sports here? Yeah, look, I think it's it's one of those things that we've just had to put in place. Um, and it was leading into Tokyo, it was a, a very unknown situation as to how that can be done. Um, and so, you know, it's wonderful to see how, how Beijing has looked at Tokyo and how that was managed and how that is applied now. And, you know, the, the difference between um, the coronavirus uh, sorry, COVID-19 um, um, COVID from Tokyo to now is different again. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's nice to have you out in persons um, to be able to speak. Um, but the closed loop is working and, and we know it's working because we see the numbers. Um, and that's a testament to the way in which the organising committee have structured this, this closed loop. Have, have other athletes and teams threatened to boycott the games because of the decision on uh, Russia and or the RPC in Belarus? Um, people have certainly expressed their views on the situation and we are, we are very transparent and open and we've listened um, and I, I can really only at this stage point you to a new media release that and press release that has just come out um, and we have listened to what members are saying and you know, it's very fast moving um, and, and it's really, really sad that sport has been dragged into a political situation. But we understand that, that emotions are very, very high. Um, when emotions are high, um, rationale is not always you know, level. Um, and that's not to say it's right or wrong, it's just the way it is. And we've just had to respond and react to the current situation. Um, we are hopeful that we will not see teams boycott. We think there is more to be gained by competing and showcasing to the world what sport does and how it can unite us. When did the governing board realize that constitutionally they could not do anything besides the measures that they took and announced yesterday? Um, 
we we probably had a sense leading into the meeting that you know there, there's the constitution wasn't written for a war. You know that's that's the reality, um, and we looked for you know what are our options, and at the same time in looking for those options, we wanted to maintain the integrity of sport and our values, um, and the principles of why we do sport and what it means and how we separate sport and politics. But unfortunately, we've been dragged into it, or politics has been dragged into sport, whichever way it is. So we just have to deal with that um, and, and react to you know, what our members are saying. Thank you. Thank you. So what, what kind of energy do you want to uh, pass through this rally? What kind of energy? Yeah. Very positive energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the message of how we use sport to unite us, irrespective of where we're from and what our beliefs are, you know, religions, doesn't matter. How do we unite through sport um, with this collective belief in shaping a better society? And that's what sport is a unique platform to be able to do. So it's not just bringing the disabled together, but all the people together, just as the Olympic model says, right? Yeah, it is. Like, please don't think that I want to bring the Olympics and Paralympics as one event in saying that. They are two unique and they have their own unique identities. Um, but they both, in that regard, have a similar message around solidarity, bringing people together um, you know, in a peaceful environment, um, respecting others and, and respecting others' opinions, and fierce competition. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you two the only Um, There's someone from the New York Times here. Okay. Who are? Um, but where are you from? Uh, called Keep the Flame Alive. It's a podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Just doing your own. It's okay. It's over. My name is Masa Kikare. Yeah. From Kyoto News. Kyoto Masa. Yeah. 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 Sorry. So. Um, this is my name. Thank you. Thank you. Do you need a ride? Or no, I'm alright, Pa. The change he's talking about is um, in the last 20 minutes, um, the, uh, the Russians and the Belarusians have been. They are now being withdrawn from the games. Okay. Um, so they won't be competing. Uh, so um, President Parsons is about to do a press conference at half past. Okay. So yeah, the update. I think you're from here. So I don't think the I don't think the Chinese media. I don't, yeah, I don't think the Chinese media care. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so this was our press release in the last half hour, which okay. was the. We have declined RPC okay. and, and the Belarusian okay. athletes, so they will not be taking part in the games. Uh, what, there was a very busy 12 hours where kind of not an awful lot of sleep was had. Uh, our members kind of talked at length to us overnight, uh, and it became clear. Uh, you'll see it. You'll see everything in the press release. So you, you don't. You don't need to. You don't need to quote. Uh, but I'm just giving you background for you. For, okay. you know, so. Um,